Couldn't you listen to that for hours? I especially enjoyed, Hallett, the song this morning, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much today for teaching us how to have a personal relationship with you, how to dig deeply into you when we are troubled, when we have distress. Truly, Lord, we just say you are our refuge, and we give you thanks and praise. I pray for the next several minutes we could as a body, just be hidden under your wings. We could uh, drink deeply of the comfort and refuge found in Christ and um, be encouraged in our most holy faith. Bless my brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray that this would be the word of the hour for them and for me in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak this morning on the subject of praying over your own soul. I was driving to work and uh, about a week ago, and that idea dropped into my mind, and I trust it's from the Lord. Um, I've never heard a message on praying over your own soul, um, and uh, just want to believe that it's from the Lord for us to examine that topic this morning. I used to, shortly after I got married, I delivered milk up and down the north shore of, of Minnesota between Duluth and Grand Marais, and that was really a fun job. But one of the, one of the um, uh, perks of the job was on the radio was J. Vernon McGee, and uh, I just loved his voice. And he, w he was a Bible expositor. It sounds like many of you know of him and have listened to him. Something about his voice was very comforting. I think the name of his show was Walk Through the Bible, wasn't it? Walk Through the Bible? Oh, Through the Bible. Well, I want to invite us to walk through the Bible uh, on this subject of praying over your own soul. And I'm going to use quite a bit of scripture, move pretty quickly. Uh, you might want to just jot down the references, uh, probably not time to turn to each one. David was probably the most well-known for this ability, or at least uh, writing in the Psalms about praying over his own soul. You probably are, know where I'm going to go first, and that is to Psalm 42, verses 1 through 3 and verse 5. Let me just read these to you. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? 
And then jumping to verse 5, these famous lines, Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Here's David addressing his soul. Remember reading in um, 1 Samuel 30, where the Amalekites had swept into town and taken all the women and children. David and his mighty warriors returned from battle to discover uh, that the city had been sacked and um, all their family had been swept away and the people turned on David and they wanted to stone him. But uh, verse 6 says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. What a great phrase. David strengthened himself in the Lord. And in Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2, David commands his soul to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Moses also exhorted the people of Israel to um, take heed of their souls. Listen to verse 9 of chapter 4 of Deuteronomy. Moses is lining out the covenant to the people, and he says, Give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and they depart from your heart all the days of your life. I don't know about you, but the soul is a pretty complex and confusing uh, reality to to articulate or to define in the scriptures. I was studying that in preparation for this message and found that the soul is used up to 20 different ways in scripture. Many times the word soul seems interchangeable with the word spirit, and other times it seems distinguished from the human spirit. For example, in Hebrews 4, chapter 12, excuse me, Hebrews 4, verse 12. We read this very well-known verse. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I found a good definition in Vines, kind of of the difference, the slight difference between soul, and spirit. Here's the quote. The language of Hebrews 4.12 suggests the extreme difficulty of distinguishing between the soul and the spirit, alike in their nature and activities. Generally speaking, the spirit is the higher and the soul is the lower element. The spirit may be recognized as the life principle bestowed on each person by God, the soul as the resulting life constituted in the individual. And of course, the body is the material organism animated by soul and spirit. So for this morning's message, I'd like you to think about our souls and kind of define it this way. It is the um, seat of who we really are. It's our mind, our emotions, our will, our desires, our affections, all kind of in a basket, and our flesh often wants to drag 
that soul down, and the Holy Spirit, mingled with our spirit, wants to take us on to glory, as it were, to holiness. And so the soul can, um, is, is who we are at any point in time, uh, with all those things in us and represented by our soul. So today I want to look at five areas that we can pray over, that, um, of our soul that we can pray over, and they all begin with the, the letter A. So I'm being a good preacher today and finding words that, that all start with the same letter. So the first, um, the first letter A is the word affections, our affections. It's important for us to pray over our affections. Colossians 3.2 in the King James Version says, set your affection, I'm going to add an S, set your affections on things above, not on things on earth. And then in Colossians 3 verse 5, just a few verses later, it says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections. Anybody have here have some inordinate affections? Oh, do you have <laughs> I think we're all raising our hands, aren't we? Even though we're slow, we, we have inordinate affections. In Mark 4.19, where Jesus tells the parable of the sower, and he talks about the thorns choking off, uh, the word, and I love the way this is written in wor- verse 19, 18 and 19. Others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who heard the word and the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. The desires for other things. Those are our affections, aren't they, that choke off the word. Just last week we sang, Be Thou My Vision. Do you remember that? In preparation for Bill's message, we sang, Be Thou My Vision. And I don't know if you remember, but I remember, we just, there was a sense of just wanting to go on and on. Be Thou My Vision. I feel the same way about the third verse of, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Let me read it to you. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter or a leash bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Aren't those powerful words? Our hearts wander. And so how do we set our affections? Again, this is the first of five. How do we set our affections upon the Lord? What I think is most effective is when you go to the Lord in prayer to begin by adoring the Lord. Just begin by telling him how wonderful he is. Um, Some of you have heard this before, but I came up with a list of 10 ways to thank God from the Psalms. We can exalt the Lord. That means to lift him up in honor. 
and to elevate his rank. We can exult in the Lord, and that's to express triumphant joy over him. We can extol the Lord, which means to give high praise to him, maybe to shout and to worship him. We can boast in the Lord, which means to speak with excessive pride about the goodness of the Lord. We can magnify him, which speaks to enlarge in size, to intensify the view that we have of the Lord. We can ascribe to the Lord. Um, That means to assign value or quality or high attributes to his holy name. We can declare the goodness of the Lord, and that is to publicly and emphatically make him known. At work this week, I hope you'll be able to, uh, to declare the goodness of the Lord to someone. All it has to be is the Lord is so good. The Lord is so good. We can tell, we can praise, we can bless. Uh, these are ten ways we can thank God and adore the Lord from the Psalms. So first, let's work on setting our affections upon the Lord by adoring him. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. Our affections. Secondly, we can pray over our anxieties. For many of us, battling anxiety is a well-worn road. But God graciously comforts us, doesn't he? You know, I don't, maybe, maybe somewhere in the Bible it says that anxiety is a sin, but At this point, I don't really see anxiety as a sin. I see it as a condition of our sinful nature. But God is is a loving God, and he knows us, and he knows we suffer from anxiety. And so he's constantly saying, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, I will never leave you or forsake you. So what do we read? We read 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Some of you I know can recite this by memory. Humble, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. And then what? Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Isn't that beautiful? Casting all your cares upon him. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And then 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. David again is our example in Psalm 94, starting in verse 17, about anxiety. He talks about it. He says, 
If the Lord had not been my help, my soul soon would have dwelt in the abode of silence. If I should say, my foot has slipped, thy loving kindness, O Lord, will hold me up. And here's the part of it about anxiety. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, thy consolation, thy consolations delight my soul. When we're anxious, focusing on Christ is the antidote. Amen? Focusing on Christ, a radical focus on Jesus Christ. Isaiah 26.3, Thou dost keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. You may remember the story of Horatio Gates Spafford. As I continue, this will come to you. A 43-year-old Chicago businessman suffered financial disaster in the great Chicago fire of 1871. He and his wife were still grieving at that time over the death of their son shortly before the fire. So they'd had the death of the son and then this devastating financial blow. Knowing that their friend Dwight L. Moody was going to preach in evangelistic campaigns in England that fall, Spafford decided to take his entire family to England. His wife and four daughters went ahead, and he planned to follow in a few days. But on the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was struck by an iron sailing vessel and sank within 12 minutes. 226 lives were lost, including Spafford's four daughters. When the survivors were brought to shore in Wales, Mrs. Spafford uh, cabled her husband two words, saved alone. Spafford booked passage on the next ship, and as they were crossing the Atlantic, the captain pointed out the place where he thought the ship had gone down. That night, Spafford penned the following words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That radical focus on Jesus is what will help us with our anxieties. We can pray over our anxieties, over our affections, and number three, we can also pray over our adversities. Whenever I think of adversity, I think of that haunting verse in Job chapter 2, where uh, Job has been smitten by boils from Satan, and his wife says, curse God and die. And then what Job says in response to that, let me read it to you. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a potsherd to scrape himself, and while he was sitting among the ashes, then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Sometimes adversity hits so quickly, we can't even protect ourselves from one blow 
and then two or three more hit us. Anybody been in that situation recently? And um, I want to read you a cute story about a bricklayer who had an on-the-job accident where that happened. One thing after another happened. So here's, here's the story. Dear Sir, I am writing in response to your request for additional information in block number three of the accident reporting form. I put, quote, poor planning, unquote, as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain more fully, and I trust that the following details will be sufficient. I am a bricklayer by trade. On the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of brick left over. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley, which fortunately was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at ground level, I went back up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the brick into it. Then I went back to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of brick. You will note in block number 11 of the accident reporting form that I weigh 135 pounds. <laughs> Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rather rapid rate up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains the fractured skull and broken collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers on my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by the time I had regained, by this time I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel now weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to my weight in block number 11. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles and the lacerations of my legs and lower body. This encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks. Fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there in the bricks, in pain, unable to stand, and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my presence of mind I let go of the rope. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes adversity hits so quickly we can't even protect ourselves from the first blow before a second and a third pummel us. The Apostle Paul was probably one of the most pummeled uh, men in history. In 2 Corinthians 11, we read, Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. 
I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. I would say again, yet he said, in all of that, he said, I know how to abound and I know how to be abased. I think that how was by keeping his eyes on God. Even Jesus in the garden was facing such anguish as he anticipated the cross that he sweat great drops of blood, the scriptures say. And he prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. Even Jesus prayed over his adversity. So what is God after with all this adversity, with all this testing? I heard Rick Warren in our Sunday night seminar say that God is wanting a tested people, a tested people who love him. And I would add a dependent people. You know, we raise our children to become independent, don't we? We want them to be strong, we want them to be tested, and we want them to be independent. God is different. He wants us to be strong and tested, but he also wants us dependent on him, doesn't he? That's the difference. He never wants us to get independent. He wants us to get more and more dependent. So we can pray over our affections, our anxieties, our adversities. Number four is our afflictions. By afflictions, I mean our physical ailments, our sicknesses and diseases, our very own. You know, so often as evangelical Christians, we have these long prayer lists where we pray for people, uh, friends, neighbors, family members, and Absolutely, we want to do that. But I also want to say, we can pray for ourselves. We can pray for ourselves. Paul, again, is our example in uh, chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, where he says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. And here's where Paul prays about his affliction. He says, concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast of my weaknesses that the power Christ may dwell in me. We can pray over our afflictions. I want to show, show a short clip of Joni Erickson Tata talking about what it's like.
For more than 40 years, the lessons and struggle of both through suffering have played out daily in the life of Johnny Eric Tata. In 1967, Johnny, a 17-year-old high school senior, severed her spinal cord in a dying accident, paralyzing her body from the shoulders down. When I was first injured, I uh, imagined myself as a, a human honey pig lying there on my microframe. I was doing nothing but eating and breathing and sleeping and really just listening. And I thought, are you not people out beyond the hospital walls, going to college, getting married, having children, going to work? And I'm just lying here, sleeping, breathing, eating. And I realized, my goodness, upon my life, all the truths of the human race are being tested. Is there a God? Does he care? What's the purpose of life? And if there is no God, then why not have my girlfriend slip my Why not take my mother leaping piss? Why not end it all? I mean, face life of topolysis. And somewhere in there, in my anger and frustration, I realized it's got to be more than just getting born and being old and dying. There's got to be a God who cares. We're too significant. There must be me in all of this. I don't think I would have asked those little questions were it not for my suffering. In the decades following her accident, Johnny's life is marked by extraordinary accomplishment. Through her artwork, music, books, concerts, and radio and television programs, she has inspired millions of people throughout the world. In 1979, she founded Johnny Friends, an international ministry that has taken the left hope of Jesus to the disabled and their families. Through all, she is intimately known both the pain of suffering and the presence of God. A lot of people think I'm a strong person, and I'm not. I am such a weak person. I wake up in the morning, and I'll eat. I think, oh, I don't have the strength for this. I'm tired. I am so tired of this paralysis. But when I start to feel overwhelmed, I'll say, oh, God, I have no strength for the day. But you know, I have no resources. You do. May I please have your resources? May I please... Have your strength. I can do all things to you if you strengthen me. Please let me borrow your smile for the day. And honestly, for the morning has hardly begun. I've got a perspective on the day. I've got peace in my heart and a mission to accomplish. And it's because I've been pushed up against God. And God has shown me some deep things about His purpose and self that, for me, um, are so satisfying, so pleasurable. I wouldn't trade the wheelchair for anything. To ask why would God would allow suffering to ask why a good doctor would uh, put a needle in the side of an infant to inoculate him. The infant doesn't understand it. All he knows is that it's horribly painful. He can't understand that in a way this inoculation is going to prepare him for something in the future that he's not even aware of. In the same way, God's a God of intention. He's a purpose and meaning. And everything he puts him to is brimming with intention and meaning. So we can rest assured. And although the purposes for suffering might be hidden from us in this life, his reasons are always wise, all specific, and they're always good. Sorry about the sound on that, but uh, I hope you heard her say uh, she gets up in the morning and she thinks, Lord, I just, I just don't have the strength for today. And yet she asks for his grace, she draws upon his grace, and as she moves out, she has all these resources from Christ coming to undergird her.
So I think we must, too, draw upon his grace, upon his strength, his enabling power, either until we're healed in this life or until we go on to the next. Let's continue to rely on Christ in our afflictions. And then finally, we can pray for our own advancement in the gospel and for advancement in our circumstances. Proverbs 16.3 in the New American Standard Bible says, Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. But I like the uh, amplified version. It's a paraphrase. It's not a translation. But it says this, Roll all your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. And he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And thus shall your plans be established and succeed. we got to have courage, don't we? We've got to have courage and faith rather than shrinking in anxiety and fear. I want you to note the apostles that they continually prayed for boldness. We're going to look at Acts 4. Uh, This is Peter and John there before the Sanhedrin. They have just uh, been part of a miracle where the lame man was raised up. It's an undeniable miracle. They've been arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin. And they say to the ruling Jews, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when the Jewish leaders observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. So they were released. And then in verse 23, we read, And when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And then they launch into a prayer that ends up in verse 29 saying this, And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that thy bondservants may speak thy word with all confidence, while thou dost extend thy hand to heal. And signs and wonders take place through the name of thy holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word with boldness. Anybody here hungry for some boldness in their life? Some boldness to proclaim the gospel, to not be shy, not be weighed down, by anxiety and fear. We often pray in the elders' meetings that we might have a Christus Victor spirit. I I think that's Latin for Christ shall be victorious in all our circumstances, in all our endeavors. I want to conclude this morning by saying it is a good thing that we can do to pray over our own souls. It is a good thing. Let's pray over our affections, our anxieties, our adversities, our afflictions. 
and the advancement of the gospel through us and in our lives. Would you stand with me briefly and we'll pray together as we close this out. Father, I want to thank you for this word. I trust that it is blessed and it will go deep and uh, cause us to be more tightly knit to you and centered in your heart and in your will. Father, remind us in our list of prayers that we can pray over our own souls as well. I pray that we would become that tested and yet very dependent people that you desire. Give us that Christus Victor mentality, Lord, that says Christ will be victorious. Jesus Christ will be victorious in all our circumstances, and we will glorify him forever. Father, fill our hearts with praise. Teach us how to adore you, Lord, the way that you deserve in our quiet times, in our times just before you. We ask for that heart of gratitude, Lord, that would be overflowing, brimming over, with joy, even in the midst of great adversity. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to have faith and boldness each and every day. And I pray for any who are particularly weighted down with struggles today. If you, uh, despite your best intentions, you just are really struggling today, I would, I would ask that you raise your hand. We're not going to gather around you or anything, but just stretch out your hand to God and, and I'll see your hand. And let's, let, let me just ask a special prayer for you. Father, for these who are just saying there's a special need for your grace and your peace in their lives, oh God, we pray for your comfort we pray for that peace that passes understanding. We ask that we would be like little children who can't conceive of not trusting their father. Lord, I just pray a special supernatural touch for these who are indicating a need that only you can meet, Lord. Lord, we wait upon you, and we thank you. I pray that as we go home today, you'll continue to minister to us. You'll bless us. You'll encourage us. You will uh, unite our hearts to fear your name, Lord, and to be at peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jim, for that word, that sure word of the Lord.